My name is graven on his hand. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. Well, thank you, Brother Ed, for that uh, wonderful medley of songs that focuses our hearts and minds this morning on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Brother Glenn, thank you for that wonderful communion thought. I thought it was timely and very important in considering why today is so special for the Christian. I want to say good morning and welcome to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. You know, today is a special Sunday for us because we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and we want to say a very special welcome to all of our visitors here with us this morning. I don't know what brought you here. Maybe you were invited by a friend or family member, or maybe you're passing through the area. We find it so special that you would take time out of your day to come and worship with us. You could be doing a whole host of other things, but you decided to be with us this morning, and for that, we're so grateful and thankful. So we want to let you know, if you're visiting today, that you are our honored guest. And if no one has told you yet, we love you, okay? And uh, we believe you've come to the right church this morning because I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of Mission Viejo. Amen? So thank you for being here uh, this morning. Special prayers to our LTC crew that is traveling back from Tucson, Arizona. Some of them might be watching live stream. want to let you guys know that we're thinking about you and praying for you and that you should... Get back safely. We pray that you get back safely. And also, just another reminder, an Easter egg hunt, okay? I don't know what the age limits are on that, okay? Um, I'm thinking if you're over the age of 30, you probably shouldn't be out there, okay? So that's one of the things that I think is correct, okay? So this is for the young ones. Uh, so make sure you stick around for that. And I have to mention this. Today is a bittersweet Sunday, okay? One of my favorite people in the entire world, is going to be moving on and transitioning out from this church, okay? He goes by the name of Mr. Mike Capusta, and he is our media guy back there in the corner, okay? What I need to tell you about Mike, before you clap, before you, hold your applause, hold your applause, okay? Before you start clapping, this is a celebratory moment for us. Mike was offered a wonderful, wonderful position, a full-time position in his skill set and in his field. So we are all really, really excited for him, but so saddened to see him go. I don't know what I'm gonna do without Mike here helping us out. So at the count of three, let's all just give a round of applause to Mike and all the good work that he's done here at this church. Right, one, two, three, okay. <laughs> so, uh, so Mike, we love you, we appreciate you, everything. He, he brought us up. Uh, to the 21st century in ways that we could not have imagined here at this church. If you notice, our media department and what we do media-wise at this church is top-notch, okay? There are other churches that are looking at what we do here, kind of trying to adapt and adopt some of the things that we do here. So, Mike, you have been a huge blessing to us, and we love you, and we thank you uh, for all the work that you've done here over the years. We're going to miss you, brother. And he said he's taking uh, lunch requests and anything you might have for him after the service. 
Also want to let you know that there are a number of CEOs that we have in the house here this morning. A number of them. That's right. Christian and Easter goers only, okay? CEOs, Christmas and Easter only churchgoers. But what I want to say to you CEOs this morning is we're happy that you're here. We really are, and we're so thankful that you've decided to come and be a part of our service this morning. And what we're going to talk about today is, is, is Easter. So the question that I want you to ponder with me today is, what does Easter mean to you? When you think about Easter, what does Easter mean to you? What memories do you have about this day looking back over the years? You see, for me as a young boy growing up in the South, in particular Southeast Georgia, Easter Sunday was Pastel Day and Big Hat Day, okay? So that's what I remember about Easter, pastels and big hats. It was the one day, if you were a man, you can get away with wearing pink. So shout out to all the men who have pink on this morning, amen. The one day, or the, or the burgundy, or not the burgundy, the uh, fuchsia, or whatever you want to call it. The Pastel Day. It was like a fashion show at, at church, at the churches I grew up in. I mean, everybody came decked out to the T, and I, I already had a couple of complaints. People came up to me and said, Jason, where's your tie? Where's your suit? I apologize this morning. But it was like a fashion show. People would walk in, and they would walk extra slow into the building. And I remember the church, I went at, people would be like, girl, you sure do look good today. Well, thank you. Thank you, right? And the men would come with their big uh, tie, the pinstripe suits and their cufflinks, just looking really sharp. And that's the fondest memory, the thing that I think about when I think about Easter Sunday growing up at church. And I also remember that it was about, uh, I remember the preacher talking about how we should avoid talking about Easter as, as a holiday. And in particular, we shouldn't spend our time talking about the Easter bunny and, and Easter eggs and the spring equinox because that's not what Easter was about. And I remember having all those conversations and I remember those sermons. But the one thing that I think all of us remember, that all of us can agree upon when it comes to Easter, is this next slide, Mike, if you'll put this picture up. You know, when I think about Easter, this is what I think about, right? Some weird, strange man dressed up in a bunny, and then what you do is you just give your kid to him, right? And the kids are always traumatized. I don't know a single kid in here that enjoyed going to the Easter bunny when they were little. I'm just thinking about a Layla. She just turned 12, and I think she's still traumatized by the Easter bunny. And that's what I think about when I think about Easter. I don't know about you guys, but that's, that's what we think about, Right? We think about peeps and chocolate and candies and the Easter bunny. And you know what's so absurd is that we can take the things that are designed to be directed and all about God and make them all about us, if you notice. This is a day where we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but somehow we can make it about us. And what we know is Easter is not about us. It's all about him, and it's all about what he did. So today we celebrate Jesus. And what we're going to do with my short amount of time here this morning is we're going to attempt to combine two topics of study. You know, this month we have been working our way through a sermon series on baptism, and we've been asking a series of questions about baptism. What is it? 
Why do it and should I feel any different? And the last question, which we're going to attempt to discuss today in light of Easter is, what if? What if? And during the se- uh, this, this sermon series, I'm so excited, we've actually had two baptisms. One is Billy. He's over here, right over here. Let's give him a round of applause. Billy came to Christ last week. And Joseph, Joseph Acosta. So two baptisms during this sermon series, and we're so, so excited and thrilled about that. And through baptism, what they experienced was a resurrection, just like Jesus did on Easter over 2,000 years ago. So what I want to do is I want to think about baptism as a type of resurrection, okay? If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7. Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 7. Scripture says, After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven And going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lie. Then quickly, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Now we all know the story of the passion of Christ. We know that Jesus was tortured, right? We we've seen the movie, we've seen the 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 the, the pictures, we we we've heard the account. Jesus was tortured during the week of Passion. He was severely beaten with a whip made out of leather and and bone fragments and small pieces of metal. He was tortured. And the scripture says that he was laughed at and he was ridiculed and he was made to carry his own cross up to the place where he was going to be put to death. We know this story. He was killed through crucifixion. And you know that crucifixion was a terrible way to go. Basically, through crucifixion, a person was suffocated through muscle fatigue. A poor way to be put to death. We know this account, we know the story of all the things that he went through. He died on Saturday evening. And the scripture tells us that there was a prominent Jewish disciple of Jesus Christ named Joseph of Arimathea. And what he did is he asked for the body of Jesus from Pilate. And you guys remember this story. So Joseph of Arimathea, and Scripture also says Nicodemus, actually prepared Jesus' body for burial. And you guys remember the story of Nicodemus, right? Nicodemus was this so-called evil tax collector, and nobody wanted to have anything to do with him. But when it came time for Jesus to be put to death, guess what? All his faithful followers and disciples decided to leave him. And the people that were there for him during his burial were Nicodemus, 
Mary of Magdalene, Joseph of Arimathea. You think about some of the people that were there. They were the so-called outcasts, the people that weren't good people. And all his disciples were gone. So Joseph and Nicodemus, they took Jesus' body and prepared it for burial. And the burial place was actually located on Joseph of Arimathea's property, if you remember. And the tomb was chiseled from rock that was on the property. So if you think about it, what they did is they had this big area and they would chisel out a tomb. It was basically a man-made cave. And they say that the opening to the tomb was not that big. It wasn't that wide. And then we learned that the tomb was covered with a large stone. And as you look at commentaries and look at different accounts, it says typically that the covering of the tomb was this big, big boulder or stone that weighed from one to two tons, and it required a few men to move it and to set it into place. And then we learn throughout the story that after he was put in the tomb and the stone was covering the entrance, that two guards were there, or guards were there, and they were, they were posting watch. And then we pick up in verses 6 and 7 this this wonderful, this wonderful account. Two women, two women decide to go and mourn the loss of Jesus and go to the burial place. And upon entering into the burial place there, they encounter this angel and this angel says, look, he is not here. And by the way, in your bulletin this morning, you have sermon notes. If you want to take those sermon notes out and fill in some of these Highlighted words that would be to your benefit this morning. Follow along with us. The angel said, look, he's not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lied. Then go and quickly tell, or quickly and tell his disciples. He's risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. I often wonder why Jesus decided to use Mary Magdalene and Mary. Why the Lord used Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to communicate this message, to spread this, this wonderful account that Jesus had been resurrected. Why didn't he choose one of his faithful 12 disciples? Why didn't he choose Joseph of Arimathea? Why didn't he choose Nicodemus? But he chose these two women. And as I think about it, I think it makes sense. I believe that the Lord chose these two women because he knew women were good at details. And that they wouldn't leave out any details, right? Women know details for the most part. If they would have told a man or men, they would have forgot on the way going to tell what they were supposed to be doing, right? You've been there before. Your wife sent you to the grocery store to get eggs, milk, and bread. And you go and you're like, what am I supposed to get? Right? That's the way God makes our, our brains sometimes. We just forget. So he decided to use women who could tell the news correctly and it would spread quickly. That's my opinion anyway. So they went and they spread this news that Jesus has been raised from the dead. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 13 and 14 says this about the resurrection. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless and so is your faith. If you haven't highlighted this verse or underlined it or wrote it down, copied it, this is a verse for you. If there is no resurrection, 
what we're doing here on Sunday morning is nothing but a social club, a social gathering where people come and they look nice. If there is no resurrection, all I'm doing is just talking to you this morning and there, there is no substance behind the message. The resurrection is the key principle of the tenet of our faith. The resurrection is powerful. It, it's everything to us. If Jesus had not rose from the dead, there would be no hope for our future. If Jesus had not rose from the dead, we would not have a mission here on earth. If Jesus had not rose from the dead, there's no reason to believe in what he taught. So that means morality and everything that he, he, he shared with us is thrown out the window. This resurrection is so vitally important, and that's why we, that's why we preach it. And we have a sense of urgency about sharing this message. Look, that Jesus came to give you a brand new life, and we want everybody to know. In so much that we do this, and it's found in Acts chapter 22 and verse number 16. In so much that we do this, and now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Because we believe in the story of Jesus, because we believe in his death, burial, and resurrection, because we believe that he still continues to live, what we do is we tell people, look, because this gospel message is true, what you need to do right now is you need to be baptized. You need to get up and to have your sins and iniquities washed away. So we, we, we really, really try to preach this to people. So this morning, if you're visiting with us, if you're passing through and you have not been baptized, here's the message for you this morning. Here's what I think God wants you to know. You need to be baptized. You need to get up and to be baptized and to have your sins and iniquities washed away if you have not. That's God's message for you this morning. And we really preach that and we want you to know that. We have a baptistry ready here behind this, this bench. If there's anyone here that's ready to give their life to the Lord today, wouldn't Easter Sunday be a great day to do that? It'd be a powerful day to do that. So we really, we really communicate this message. We tell people, you've got to get baptized. And guess what? Sometimes, sometimes... We can push really hard and really quickly and too quickly sometimes, and, and sometimes the person isn't ready. I want you to think about that. Sometimes we can push a little too hard when it comes to baptism, and we can push too quickly, and sometimes people aren't ready. Look at that dichotomy. I just told you to hurry up and get baptized, and then I say, hey, sometimes we can push too hard and push too quickly. What do I mean by that? Well, in your outline, we have some, some questions. And the, one of the questions that we put down is, uh, uh, that I want you to consider is this what-if question. What-if question. So what I want to do is I want to give you some practical knowledge on, on baptism. Remember, the sermon series is about baptism and what-if. What if I was this? What if I was baptized as an infant? What if I was baptized as a young person? How do I reconcile all this? Do I need to be rebaptized? So we've got some, some points for you this morning in your sermon outline. What if... What if? Do I need to be rebaptized if I've already been baptized? So here's, here's next slide, Mike. I want to give you a couple of points this morning. Reasons on rebaptism or reasons for being rebaptized, okay? I want you to ponder this with me. Fill these principles in. What if I was baptized as an infant? Should, should I be rebaptized? Question. That's something to think about. What uh, if I was forced to be baptized? Should I be rebaptized? What if I didn't fully understand when I was being baptized? Should I be rebaptized? And then lastly, 
What if I sinned all over again after being baptized? Should I be rebaptized? So these are the what if questions. I'm going to spend some time fleshing these out. First of all, should I be rebaptized if I was baptized as an infant? I know many of you here this morning probably come from a Catholic background or uh, some other high church background, and maybe you were baptized as an infant, right? That was just one of the things that you did. You were born uh, and you were immediately baptized as a child. And we know that there is this theology, the theology of original sin that states that when humans are born, they're born into this world and they're already full of sin. So I kind of understand that theology. We're sinful people. And then you look at the story of the Philippian jailer, and we find out that his entire household was baptized. So does that mean then that children that were a part of his household were baptized in? We, we, we just, we kind of don't know, but we, we think in terms of a believer's baptism here at this church, meaning that in order to really give your life to the Lord, you have to be able to believe intellectually that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You've got to confess him, and then you can be baptized. So we don't believe in infant baptism here at this church. We say if you were baptized in an infant, and now you've matured to the point where you can actually talk and uh, consciously think about who Jesus is and give your life to him, you should probably be rebaptized. So what if you were baptized as an infant? I would tell you, you should be rebaptized. Why? I don't believe a baby can sin. I don't believe a baby can sin. But I believe as we mature and we get older, we know practically good from evil. And then we come to a place where, hey, we've got to decide whether we're going to follow Jesus or not. So this morning, if you were baptized as an infant, I would encourage you to be rebaptized as a believer, as an adult. Number two, what if I was forced into baptism? Anybody been forced into baptism? I don't want to do a show of hands this morning because some of your hands might go up. I've seen some cases where a person uh, loved their significant other so much that they just really pushed them and forced them to be baptized. Uh, a while ago, I had a mother, and she had two children, and they came to my office, and the children were about eight, nine years old, and the mom said, look, my kids need to get baptized today. And I said, well, why is that? She said, they're just terrible. I said, oh, oh. okay. TMI, right? <laughs> but she came and she said, my babies are terrible. We need to put them in the water today. And I said, okay, well, let's process this together. And I was talking to the kids, and I said, hey, kids, are you guys ready to be baptized? And they went, yes. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I asked them again, are you ready to be baptized? They said, yes. And I said, well, mom, it looks to me like you might be pushing these kids to do something that they don't want to do. And she said, no, I'm not. They want to be baptized. I said, oh, okay. And I refused to baptize these children. And I think her mom took them to somewhere else and they were baptized. They were forced into it, in my opinion, right? Maybe some of you experienced that when you were younger. Your mom and your dad said, you need to be baptized right now. You go and do it. So while you were at that summer youth camp, you were like, okay, I guess I have to, to make mom and dad happy. So you were forced into it. And then there's the other uh, kind of example. I had a friend at Harding uh, University who was a football player. And he was dating this young lady who was a faithful member of a church. She was a churchgoer every single Sunday. And my friend was dating her. And he said, I really love this girl and I really want to be married to her, but she has this requirement that I have to be a Christian. 
And I said, well, that's, that's actually a pretty good thing. And she said, you know what? Uh, he told me, she said that in order to be engaged, I have to be baptized. And I said, oh. And he said, so I'm getting baptized tomorrow so that I can get engaged to her so that we can be married. I said, your theology might be off just a little bit. You got CTE or something, brother? Like, that's not registering, right? What you're saying is not registering. You're, you're, you're being persuaded to do this, not because you really want to, because you want to be in this relationship. So sometimes we are pushed or we are forced into baptism when we didn't do it for the right reasons. So if you fall into that category, I want to let you know this. Baptism is a free will acceptance of God's grace. You should want to do it. You shouldn't feel like you're being forced into do it, into doing it. You should, you should want to do it. So if you were forced into it this morning, I would encourage you to be rebaptized. Here's another one. What if you didn't fully understand what you were doing when you were baptized? You know, sometimes we're baptized not really realizing what it's supposed to accomplish. I want to make this clear. When you're baptized, you're not baptized into a particular denomination or church. And if you notice a lot of these churches around here, if you want to place membership, the first thing they say is what? You got to be baptized. That's not the way it works. Scripture says that when you're baptized, you're baptized into Christ. And that's good enough. <laughs> that, that's where you're supposed to be. So you're not baptized into a particular denomination of the church. Or you may say, you know, I didn't really fully understand the gospel of Christ and, and maybe it was a wrong time for me to be baptized in my life because I fully wasn't mature yet and I don't know how to reconcile this. I would encourage you, if that's the case, maybe you should be rebaptized as well to clear your conscience. Now, that's my position. Some people may disagree. And then lastly, here's another one. What if I was baptized and I sinned all over again? You've heard that one before, right? I was baptized, and then I went back into my old lifestyle, and I started messing up and doing all kind of stuff, and I know God is not pleased with me. Some people feel they need to be rebaptized because they keep sinning. I had a lady at my previous church. Her name was Sister Jones. Sister Jones, every three to six months, came forward and said she needed to be baptized, right? Sister Jones would come on the front pew. She said, hey, preacher, I need to be baptized. I said, Sister Jones, we just baptized you two days ago. She said, I messed up again. I messed up again and I need to be baptized again. I would have to go back and forth with her. I say, you, you know, Jesus's blood is good, right? You don't need to keep doing this every time you make a mistake. But I know some people feel like that is the case. When they make mistakes, they need to be rebaptized. And people, I know some people that have been baptized about five or six times, right? Five or six times. What I want to tell you about baptism is that baptism is the greatest insurance policy that you'll ever have. Because what it does is it covers everything in the past that you've done, and it also covers everything in the future that you will ever do. And that's what's so powerful about baptism. It covers everything, past, present, and future. And that's how powerful the resurrection is. When Jesus's, when Jesus's words were confirmed through his resurrection, it gave us some amazing power. Okay, some amazing power. So here, here you go. If you've been baptized and you keep messing up and keep slipping up, you don't need to be rebaptized. Okay, pray to the Lord, ask for forgiveness, and the scripture says his blood will make you clean and wash you as white as snow. As I close this morning, I want to give you some practical application. Practical application. Practical application. Um, you've heard this sermon. 
And a lot of people say, okay, I've heard this sermon now. Now what do I do with it? What, what do you want me to know, Jason? What do you want me to do with, the, with this sermon, this material? Well, I've got a list for you. What does the resurrection mean? Or what is it supposed to mean for the Christian? What are we supposed to do with the resurrection, right? It's this wonderful story. Now, now how, is it, how is it supposed to work in my life practically? Jesus rose from the dead. This is great. The tomb was empty. You know, I, I'm baptized. And, and, and now what? What do I do with this material, right? So here's a couple of things that I want you to do in thinking about the resurrection of Jesus and how you can practically apply some principles here. Here's, here's one. Um, what I do know is that even if you are a faithful Christian and you've been baptized into Christ, you have some things in your life that you want to change, right? Some things in your life you want to change. And maybe if you're not even a Christian, you want to make some changes in your life. Because of Jesus' resurrection, he gives us the power to be able to change our situation. See, here's what I know. What I know is that, is that we're all sinners, the scripture says, for all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We talked about this on Wednesday. I know when some people come to our church and they visit, they go, I get a weird feel when I go to church because all these people here are so righteous and they're so good and they're so nice and so kind and I've got all this sin. But what they fail to realize is that we're all on the same playing field. I've got a ton of sin in my life too, just like you. We're the same, right? But what I do have is that I have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and he can help me make changes in my life that I need to change. See, I know some of you here this morning are struggling with some sin or some problems in your life. You may have some marital problems. You may have some addictions going on in your life, some financial issues, some things going on in your life that you need some help with. Because of Jesus' resurrection, he gives us the power to be able to change these situations. So practically what I want you to do, this morning you have your sermon outline with you. I want you to make a list if, you, if you're willing to do that. You don't have to share it. You don't have to be nosy. Don't look at your neighbors, right? Flip it over on the back and you can write down some changes that you want to make in your life. What are some things that you want to change in your life? Write them down. Make a small list. And I want you to pray over that list because I believe that God can give you the help that you need and the ability to help you overcome the things that you're struggling with. So write down that list. What are some things that you want to change in your life? And God can help you with that. That's what the resurrection means to us. What else? Here's another one. Because of Jesus' resurrection, it should cause us to want to share hope with other people. To share hope with other people. Why? Because we know where we're going. We believe we have a future so we can be filled with hope no matter what situation we find ourselves in. You know, I talk to people all the time and, they, and I shared this with you last week. They wonder why I'm so positive all the time and I have a smile on my face because I know the end of the story. Jesus won. I know, I, you know, if you're ahead and you're winning, you're okay. I know the end of the story. Our job as Christians is to instill hope in people, to tell people everything's going to be Okay, I had a grandpa, and my grandpa is 83 years old now. He, I, I, this sounds bad, but he programmed me to believe that I could do anything, right? So I remember when I was 16 years old, I said, Grandpa, I want to play in the NBA. He said, you can do it. I said, that's right, I can do it. He said, you're only 5'5", five, five, but you can do it. You can do it. So in my mind, I was going to play for the Lakers alongside Kobe right? Went to a tryout, got dunked on, and didn't work out for me. But that's how strong my belief was. I believe that I can play in the NBA. 
My grandpa always let me know that I could do anything. He gave me hope. And hope is a powerful tool. And as Christians, we got to share hope with people, encourage people. You can do it. You can get through it. Your life is not, you, God can help you through anything. So that's what the resurrection means to us. We give ability for people to hope. So that's one thing that you can do. Share hope with somebody this week. Tell them they can do it. They can get through it. Whatever you're going through, God can help you through it. No matter how difficult it is, no matter what kind of family issues you have or problems financially or spirit or emotion, you can get through all those things because God can help you. That's what the resurrection means and does for us. And then lastly, here's one that I want to close with. This morning, if you'll do me a favor and do our church a favor, what I want you to do is if you're on social media, if you're on Facebook and Twitter and some of you are on right now, that's okay, that's okay. I got, I got it. If you're on it right now, I just want, and look, I can see a, people, a couple people go like this. <laughs> I'm not on it. If you're on it, what I want you to do is I want you to do me a favor. I want you to put one post, okay? Put a post on your Facebook, your Twitter, your Instagram, whatever, and just say one kind word or one thing that you enjoyed about the service today, okay? Just, just do that for us. And you can even do it now, okay? Just post something about how the service blessed you today or you were encouraged today by being at the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. If you'll do that, we'd really, really appreciate it. And if you're not on Facebook or if you're not on Twitter or any kind of social media, I would say, why not? No, not really. What I want you to do is instead is I want you to write an email to somebody this week, okay? Just write an email to somebody this week. And in this email, I want you to say, I've been thinking about you. If it's a former girlfriend or boyfriend, don't do that. That's not a good idea. Don't do that, right? <laughs> what I want you to do is find somebody that you care about and say, hey, I've been thinking about you this week, and I wanted to know if there's anything that I can pray for you about. Will you do that this week? Either post it on social media or write an email just to anybody that you've been thinking about and say, hey, I've been thinking about you, and I wanted to know if there's anything I can pray for you about. I got an email just recently from one of my buddies, just random out of the blue. It was actually a text message. Hey, Jay, I've been thinking about you. Can I pray for you? You know what it did? It just really encouraged me. It made me think, wow, he was thinking about me. I think it was a lie, but it just made me feel good anyway, right? So if you'll do those two things, do these three things, I think uh, you'll be well off. You'll be well off. Make a list of things you want to change. Share some hope with somebody and post a message and encourage somebody this week. And we do all this because we really really appreciate what Jesus did for us. That's the difference that we can make in somebody's lives because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So thank you for being here this morning. I want to offer you an invitation. If there's anyone here this morning that wants to give their life to the Lord through baptism, you have an opportunity today. We sing a song. Brother Ed Bush is going to lead us in a song, an invitation song. And during that song, we're inviting you to come forward. And you can be baptized in water today. Wouldn't that be a wonderful Sunday? Wouldn't it be a great Easter if you gave your life to the Lord and got a brand new start today? You can do that through baptism. If you are a Christian and you've been falling short in any other areas in your life and you've been, you've been slipping up and making mistakes, what I love about Easter is that, you know, during the new year, we try to start all things new. And, and guess what? During Easter, we can kind of celebrate that too. So if you've been slacking and messing up a little bit, this opportunity is for you as well. We want you to come forward. Our elders will be up here uh, during the invitation time to take any requests that you might have. So whatever your needs or concerns are, won't you come together while we stand and sing the song of invitation?